Hello and welcome to the 35th episode of Final Fantasy Union. I'm your host, Kyle Winan, and I'm here with podcast co-host, Lauren McFadden. Sup, guys? And FXN administrator, David Turner. FXN? <laughs> 35 episodes later, Final Fantasy Thirteen has finally been released. That's right. And we have played it, <sighs> more or less. <laughs> uh, some of us have. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll get to that. Uh, this is a special episode, complete with music, which everybody has been asking for, and it will be long, probably like an hour, maybe maybe more. Unfortunately, though, Jamie is not here. Boo. Boo. <laughs> he was sick on the weekend, so his throat really hurts. Um, I didn't have much sympathy for him, so... <laughs> oh, boy! <laughs> what? For, for everybody that wants to give him a hard time, I took care of it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, well, people give us both a hard time because he's not here and I haven't played this game yet. <laughs> yeah, so what Lauren's going to do this episode is be devil's advocate because lots of you listeners probably haven't bought the game yet. And so you probably got the same questions Lauren would think of. So, yep, that's your job. <laughs> so for this episode, we're three segments. First up, we have our first impressions of Final Fantasy Thirteen, and it will be spoiler free. No, spoilers. No spoilers. spoilers be none. Then segment two is news. we got four slices of news for you, including the future of Final Fantasy Thirteen. Interesting stuff. Whoa. And lastly, we have a special music segment featuring Daryl and our podcast producer, Brian Arnold, a.k.a. Tweaks. And as always, Final Fantasy Union is part of the podcast series called Final Fantasy and Kingdom Hearts Union and is presented by the Gaming Union Network. And it comes out on the iTunes Store and FinalFantasyUnion.com. And David? FF-XIII.net. So before we bust into our first impressions, we have a few show updates. So first up, we've finished redesigning FinalFantasyUnion.com's layout and we'll be beginning coding soon. Uh, You may notice we didn't Give you a heads up on that because uh, we said we'd do FXN2's layouts for quite a few months. So uh, we kept this one under wraps, but now it's done. So it'll be up soon. Alongside that, I'll also be looking for new volunteers to work on that site. So keep an ear out for recruiting calls in the coming weeks. As we'll need new staff as we're relaunching our content and coverage of Final Fantasy to make FinalFantasyUnion.com your one-stop Final Fantasy news, entertainment, and community network. So it'll be awesome. And look out for our interview with the voice of lightning in Final Fantasy XIII, Ali Hillis, later this week. Daryl and I, or Jamie and I, will be doing that tomorrow. It's actually Sunday right now as of recording, so we don't know how it's gone yet. But uh, we'll let you know. Probably on Twitter. (laughs) So, David, Lauren, Final Fantasy XIII, first impressions. It has a pretty box art. I got to hold it the day it came out. <laughs> PS3 or 360? <laughs> uh, both. I was just, run- you know, kind of lurking around GameStop. Actually, Fozzie and I were both there on Ooh, release date looking stalking. around. And, <laughs> and uh, both wishing we could <laughs> go home with it, but we couldn't. Don't drool in the did you, box. Did you, struggy, did you struggle to carry the 360 version? Because oh. it's so heavy. <laughs> oh. <laughs> That's right. I actually own the... 360 version of Final Fantasy 13, and David obviously owns the superior PS3 version. Oh, it right, is David? definitely superior. Yeah, so... Uh, Wait, something that's not by Microsoft is more superior? What is this? <laughs> what? <laughs> so, David, uh, you've played about, what, 20 hours of the game? Yeah. And I've played about 5 hours of the game, or maybe 4 hours of the game, because I've been very busy this week, but I, I swear to God, I haven't been doing any other fun things besides... Well, work is somewhat fun, but 
Final Fantasy 13 is the only thing I've had time for. So it's kind of crappy that I only got five hours in. <laughs> but David, what have been your overall, your, fir- your first impressions? Okay, well, uh, as many of the listeners probably already know, I've been pretty hard on Final Fantasy 13. And uh, to be quite honest, I wasn't that excited to get the game. Uh, I didn't even get it the first day. And even the second day, I'm like, I don't really want to go get it. I don't feel Ooh. like it. Uh, I finally got it, like, just before the store closed uh, on the second day. Which day was this? Uh, this would have been... It came out on Tuesday, so it would have been Wednesday. Oh, man. I got the game. <laughs> and um, so I started playing it, and, um, well, the first couple of hours, I wasn't that impressed. It was pretty much... It met my expectations, which were fairly low. Um, oh. Ooh. <laughs> but after about two hours, uh, the game started getting pretty decent. And uh, as time went on, it just started getting better and better and better. And now I'm about 20 hours into the game, Chapter 9. And let me tell you, holy crap, this game is something. Wow. um, Get me excited. (laughs) It is definitely worth playing. Uh, I mean, oh, man. I feel like this is a historical event right here. Yeah. The the stuff that happens at the end of uh, (laughs) Chapter 9. I mean, the boss battle there. Oh, boy. I don't even know what chapter I'm on. Maybe. Well, I mean, I'm. There's chapters? What is this? It's, there are 13 well, that's the chapters. best thing. It, it feels like it's a mix of Crisis Core and Final Fantasy XII. I think that's the best way to sum it up for me. And a bit of Kingdom Hearts for the linearity. But it's just... Hmm. Do, do you see that parallel, David? Crisis Core, Final Fantasy XII? Um, like uh, got, if you were to got a big world, create a mixture of the two? Yeah, yeah. No? Hmm. <laughs> I, don't <know. laughs> okay, I, don't, I don't think so. Okay, well... I feel, I feel like Kyle said something to me like, this is Final Fantasy seven, eight, and ten times Crisis Core. Um, Actually, maybe. I would even is I would even you? put uh, Chrono Trigger into the mix there. I haven't played. Yeah, Chrono yeah. The, and my reasoning for that is because uh, the way the battles are initiated, like in Chrono, Chrono Trigger, you're walking That's around, right, you can actually right, yeah. see the the enemies. It's kind of pseudo random. Like um, they're there, and when you can kind of sneak by some of them, and all that. so I think uh, that's a little bit of similarity there. Yeah, I. Well, this one isn't spoilers if I just say what the enemy's name was, but the part I'm at, I just beat the Garuda Interceptor, which is exactly oh, the same yeah. portion that I finished when I played the demo in Japan. Yeah. But this time I knew what the heck was going on and what I was doing. <laughs> <laughs> and what the attack name said. And <laughs> Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, uh, well, so far, I guess, overall, I'm pretty excited about it because it just flows so well and it keeps my attention so well. And how they completely avoid dialogue boxes. I don't have to read anything. It's it's great. Not that I don't <laughs> like reading. It's just it's <laughs> such a better experience just listening to people talk. They can convey their emotions and what's going on so much better. That does make me excited. The fact that uh, it's not half a comic book yeah. style thing when it's like, okay, I'm paying all this money to see it playing on the screen. Couldn't you have just given me a book of all this text? Like- yeah, exactly. <laughs> And then yeah. that, actually, that's that's a nice thing. After you save and then turn it off and then turn it back on, it'll kind of recap what you've been missing. It'll just do like a text scroll. That is actually a really paragraphs. good thing. Yeah, because I'm like, what the hell is going on? And you can actually read basically the entire story just by going to the data log. Yeah, if you if you're that nostalgic, I guess. <laughs> uh, what was the system they had going in twelve? Where you could, there were certain things where you could you could hit a button and log it, and it's kind of like. All right. Is there any of this? Is any of this actually important for me to be saving, or is this just a gimmick? 
Um, I don't remember that. Did anybody ever use that? I never no, used this it. Is, the dialogue is kind of like that. I don't ever read it. It's just the thing that updates, and if you really want to go in, you can. I'm only five hours in, so I haven't had any reason to use it. I might, but I can foresee that I probably won't use it. Have you used the data, data log at all, David? Uh, not really, but um, it kind of well, serves uh, a bunch of different purposes. Like it's it, also it is your, like uh, your health kind thing. of like Kingdom Hearts, you know, Jiminy's Journal. It's yeah, like a, yeah, a it's kind of that idea. Yeah, it has a bunch of definitions for uh, the different uh, locations, and uh, it explains like falsy and all that kind of crap, yeah. which is a little bit confusing to begin with. <laughs> well, um, I'm still a little bit confused on uh, some all these terminology. Yeah, they 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 do come fast and furious, but yeah, uh, like uh, that was one thing I didn't really like about the first maybe five or ten hours of the game. It's like you're just kind of put right in there. It's like it's almost like you're expected to know everything already. But yeah, but I, it, things start clearing up a little bit as it goes. To along. me, this game kind of feels like besides just adding Crisis Core into twelve, they're taking all the like I know. 12 got a perfect 40 out of 40 in Fimitsu in Japan, so they're mm-hmm. pretty smitten about that. But it's like they took all the complaints we actually had and got rid of them. And I, and I yeah. really like that. Like, ex- like, we didn't complain about all of 12. I mean, like, we love the big world, the big story, uh, and the uh, art style and whatnot. But this adds in all the, the big stuff that story? was lacking. The, well, I mean, there's a big story, but there wasn't character development within that story. This yeah. has that character development. So I'm <laughs> really and attached. hopefully removes grinding. Yeah, like, I haven't had to grind much at all. I, uh, well, yeah, I was um, dying a lot, this one boss. And I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot. I, I should just do that. Christ- What's it called? Crystallium or? Crystallium. Yeah. The, it, it, you don't level up in this. You just get, like, experience points, and then you use that to Yeah, it's more or less bubbles. like the sphere grid. Oh, yeah. so there, you can, like, you buy things that you'll actually use. Yeah. So I remember uh, I used to always bypass, like, on the sphere grid, the, um... Or the really useless ones. Mm-hmm. I would always bypass those and head right for like the ability and the health spheres. <laughs> this one yeah. you can't really bypass anything. There, well, you oh. can because a lot of things like kind of spider off and they're just like a yeah. dead end path, and you can kind of just forego that. But normally, I don't think I don't see why you'd do that. Yeah, there's really yeah, no yeah. useless stat in this game. It's basically I, I magic, we'll... um, strength, and HP, and I think those are yeah. really the three stats you really have. Oh, so no, like, evasion and speed and all that crap um, that never actually... I don't yeah, think so. Anything, I, I, yeah. I, don't, I don't... I haven't seen any of that yet, so I doubt it. <laughs> 20 hours a night, I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you would have seen I, I have never... I have never leveled up a character in any Final Fantasy game, like, in evasion and speed and seen a significant difference in how often they're missed by a by an enemy attack. <laughs> I've never actually seen the difference come from that. Well, I think it's just because uh, they also level up with you. Go back to the... Like, if you're playing 10, go back to, like, yeah. Busaid Island or something, and they will never hit you. It will be impossible. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Gotcha. I'm not sure if we want to talk about the console differences now or later, but uh, in talking overall impressions, um, kind of disappointed in this 360 version. Quite yeah. a bit. Um, I guess it's just the compression. And just first off, no, the box wasn't heavy. Actually, I kind of like the three discs sitting in the box. Uh, they have different art on them and whatnot. Mm. And they're stacked kind of like a PC game. They're just slapped right on top of each other instead of like different flaps or whatever. But uh, all the cutscenes in the game, if you think back to Crisis Core, there was a lot of yeah. cutscenes that were done in with the in-game graphics, but they're still pixelated as heck. So it yeah. was basically they recorded the video of them rendering a cutscene with the in-game engine. They did that in Final Fantasy 13 and on the PS3 version they're perfectly crystal clear so you might just yeah, think you can't, it's I, I can't even PS3. tell the difference like uh, if it's a uh, video format or the in-game Those those cutscenes are actually video but they're just yeah. created with the in-game engine. But mm-hmm. on 3 on 360 
because they're video and com compressed like crazy, they look like garbage. Like not not complete garbage, but I would say YouTube bad. And yeah, I know YouTube I know. has some good. Yeah. Like if you get like crazy HD, it's not that. And yeah, it just makes uh, me cringe half the time because I mean, I saw some of the comparisons and like you say, YouTube quality. It it really is, and I'm only playing on a 19-inch screen. I would hate to play this on my uh, dad's 46-inch screen. I'd be like, oh, my God. <laughs> Which is funny because I've, um, I've heard that, like, recently people were really disappointed with the PS3 version of yeah. Bayonetta as opposed to the 360 version. Now, I think that's because I think they actually made that for the 360 and exactly. ported it to yeah. the PS3. Yeah, but, I mean... the. The actual game functions perfectly fine. I mean, in-game, it doesn't look like YouTube. It looks fine. I mean, Lightning's hair is pixelated like crazy. Is it in PS3? Um, well, the hair isn't exactly the best-looking thing. Um, it, it almost looks like it's uh, dithered or something. Like it, it, It's like they use fake transparency by just, like, cutting every second pixel out. Uh, okay, one, it, it looks pretty oh. bad on mine. Cutscenes aren't so much of an issue for the hair, but... Uh, yeah. But in the in-game stuff, you can. I think they're just like fake transparency there. Okay, well, it looks it looks like Sony took like I don't know scissors through her hair and <laughs> it, yeah, it looks uh, nasty. In the in, in the 360 version, her hair almost looks interlaced or something like that. Yeah, exactly. That is exactly it. it oh. and, and and I'm not just bashing the 360 version. I own it. <laughs> Was that by choice? Uh, yeah, my P my PS3 that? died, so uh, oh. I I have to. I a new one soon, I guess. How disappointing. <laughs> yeah, I will be buying the PS3 version of uh, Final Fantasy XIII, though. Because I, I also just got basically an HD TV. I just got a 27-inch iMac, and you can plug PS3s into them. So I'm going to do that. <laughs> um, what about the sound quality on the 360 version? Primarily uh, I've, in the cutscenes. I have a pretty nice stereo system, and it, I haven't noticed any complaints there. I mean, I, I love the music, and uh, all the voices sound crisp as oh, heck. So. Speaking yep. of music... Um, yeah, the, the boss battle chapter nine. Holy crap! <laughs> Just coming back okay. to there, like oh boy. <laughs> I'm really excited about this oh, boss man. battle. I could I could go on about boss battles. They're so awesome. So, uh, David, the story. You're a bit further in, so I guess you got more to say about yeah. it. But how is the story uh, amounting without spoiling? Well, this, uh, like I said, like the story doesn't really start going for maybe like uh, maybe four or five hours into the game. Right where I am. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's probably about where it starts to really pick I up. I've liked it so far. I mean, it seems like um, kind of, uh, I wouldn't say it's exactly super unique in terms of how it builds. It's kind of mm -hmm. like the gradual build. But I mean, it's, it's a yeah. good pace to set it up. It feels good. It's not like super special, but it's building to what feels like will be pretty cool. Yeah, something I don't like about the story, though, uh, is like, uh, this is why I didn't like it at the beginning. Just because like they put you right in there. Like They don't have any stuff happening before like uh oh, i don't I think like this, that. Is, this is i don't think this is a spoiler but they uh they have a lot of um uh flashbacks and i almost think they should have started those flashbacks that should have been like where the game started uh, i kind of i kind of like this because i mean it really gets you right into the game right off the bat instead of having me watch like five hours of cutscenes before the game starts and all this stuff that's really slow <laughs> Zenosaga. Yeah, so there's a lot <laughs> of issues like that. So I appreciate them dropping me in there. I might not know what's going on, but I'm fully aware that I will be caught up mm -hmm. yeah. eventually. And I am sort of, I think, by now. Or, or there's yeah, more I guess it really depends on your opinion. But, I mean, uh, it, ultimately it doesn't matter because uh, after oh, about that five hours or so, you're not even going to care anymore that, like, the first two hours kind of sucked. 
it's kind of like a huge event for the first couple hours. It's just like one continuous event. So yeah, I guess I'm just getting out of that event. Very cool. <laughs> Any other thoughts on the uh, story? On the besides story. Besides the beginning, the beginning. Like, it, is it what you wanted compared to twelve? It was twelve. Oh, yeah. The story yeah. you liked. Yeah. I think uh, this is uh, actually a better story than twelve, definitely, and also a better story than ten. Ooh. Whoa. That intrigues me a lot, because that's still my yeah, favorite. Yeah, I was not a fan of uh, 10, uh, like no. you know. Uh, <laughs> but the story was uh, one of the better parts of 10. How's it compared to uh, the fan favorites of 7 and 8? Oh, you know, I don't. I just don't think those will ever be toppled. It, it's kind of hard, because, I mean, we have such fond memories we grew up yeah, with. Yeah, I so. mean, like, call it nostalgia if you want, but, I mean, really? Like, those are just so good. That's true. Like, if you really just think about what happened in, like, 7 and 8 in particular... Oh, man, like, it's just so powerful, the amount of stuff that happens in there. Well, neither of us are done Final Fantasy thirteen yet, so... Uh, I know, but let me let me tell you, um, there were moments in thirteen so far that literally I had my jaw dropping just because I was... That so, is awesome. That like, has me smiling, uh, like, cheek cheek. <laughs> it was almost like, it made me think of Metal Gear there for a second. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh... How about the characters? I the first thing I want to say is Vanille. Does she have like a bowl of sugar for breakfast followed by a second sure. bowl of sugar? She has a bowl of sugar and <laughs> rainbows. Uh, she is definitely the ditzy character, yeah. uh, as as predicted. <laughs> it's more or less annoying, but later on, uh, it, she starts. Uh, there is some uh, quite a bit of character development with, with uh, yeah. Vanille, so um, don't judge her too early. I, I, I'm not because I mean there, she's not she's not saying too much. I don't want to spoil the development of the story, but she's just, I have no idea what she's about or what. So yeah, she's a pretty important character in the, I uh, the story. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite character so far is Saz Katsroy because mine I too. Think, I think he's the most real. I've heard that he's, from many he's just people. Awesome. He's like the guy that keeps everybody slapped together. Yeah, like he's I think he's the most real character. He's the most down to earth yeah. and all that. He's always kind of like, these kids, you know, i got to take care of them. And I... <laughs> yeah, and he's like, I'm, I'm too old, old man. I that, that the Chikabo is actually quite... Uh, the yep, Chikabo? Yep. Chikabo, Chikabo, yeah. Is, is also a source of lots of comic yeah. relief. I forget. I forget. My friend told me the one. The one thing that would make me laugh was that, like, apparently, you know, he says, you know, we're going this way at, at one point, and then the chocobo jumps out of his fro and lands huh? on Vanilla's head, and then points in the same direction. Yeah, I think I think that does happen. I, don't know I think if I remember you that. You guys have found I that haven't part got yet, there but. yet, but I think Saz definitely. I think I really like Lightning because she keeps yeah, punching Lightning's snow in the really face. Lightning's really good too. And. Uh, <laughs> she keeps and as people face. may be aware, I, I wasn't such a big snow fan so far. Still got the same sediments, if you may recall yeah. those surfer, surfer dude. But I'm only I'm only five hours in, so actually that reminds me. This will be this episode will be coming out on Tuesday, Wednesday. Oddly enough, I've actually secured an interview with the voice of Snow Villiers. So Troy Baker. I, yeah, oh so I will be uh, opening a please give us Snow Villiers slash Troy Baker questions thread. Um, probably going to promote the crap out of that uh, tomorrow. <laughs> uh, my Monday, your guys' is yesterday. So um, how about Hope? Yeah, see, a lot of people don't like Hope, but uh, I would say he's probably my second favorite character. Really? Yeah. I don't like him at all. Really? <laughs> <laughs> I'm again. I'm only five hours in, but so far, yeah. Like I think um, he he's also he has a lot of character development. 
Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I mean, it seems like he's, well, he's got a lot on his mind, that is for sure. Oh, yeah. I've just been watching my friends kind of tweet cast while he's playing, and <laughs> at one point he'd just write, See, this is why nobody likes you, <laughs> I want to give him a chance. I yeah. think he's adorable. Yeah, I, uh, I, he's a good character. Speaking on character development, um, do you think it's, it's lacking at all, or is it just kind of like the sweet spot? Hmm. I mean, so far it it feels like they they're doing a great job right off the right off the very beginning. So I'm pretty happy with it. There is, I think, a part of that is because there's constant cutscenes and there's no stop for just random dialogue, and it's in there yeah. all the time, and there, it's always a cutscene. Yeah, I think you're right about that because um, I, I'm thinking of all the characters here, and uh, I would say all of them have had character development, uh, except I have not had Fang for very long, so I haven't really been able to see much there. But for right. all the other characters, yeah, I've been seeing uh, quite a bit of character development. Maybe oh, funny, actually, Snow, I... Snow Man. I don't know. Maybe not him so much. But uh, <laughs> I'll save her. I'll maybe save maybe world. a little bit. Yeah, but uh, mostly all the other characters, I would say, have pretty good character development going that's, on. It's funny. I just saw Fang for the first time, and I was like, "Uh oh, <laughs> we're gonna party later." <laughs> yeah. All right. How about the battle system? Ooh, battle system. Um, I, I, I love it, honestly. Have you gotten to the paradigms yet? Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I'm I'm switching paradigms like it's nobody's business but mine, <laughs> and I do business all day. <laughs> That's what she said. <laughs> if you recall to Final Fantasy XII, um, yeah. and remember the Gambit system, this is basically yeah. a fixed version of the Gambit system. Well, really, this is like Gambit system times Kingdom Hearts system. I'm okay Kingdom with Hearts that. It's predetermined outside of battle what your guys are doing, but in yeah. Final Fantasy XIII, you do it inside battle. You only control mm-hmm. your lead character, at least for me so far. And uh, But there's lots of different ones. You can customize them outside of battle. So yep. uh, a person will either be like a medic or they'll be constantly attacking to build up the stagger meter, mm-hmm. which if somebody fills their stagger meter, which are only on enemies... No, actually, uh, I believe your own characters have stagger um, oh, crap. bars. I haven't got Except I've never seen mine go up all the way, but I would imagine maybe at some point they will. Yeah, so enemies, when staggered, it's kind of like when you have a high percentage in Super Smash Bros. Melee. You're super sensitive to attacks, like uh, I guess four times uh, more sensitive to attacks, so then you beat the crap out of people. Yeah. But, not, uh, not only that, but you can also use uh, more abilities on them. Like, uh, they might be immune to certain status ailments Yeah, yeah. Uh, before, and then once they're staggered, then you can just like, inflict them with like a ton of stuff. Like, uh, rabies! And, uh, yeah, rabies <laughs> and curse and all that. Yeah. Um, I think they were saying how they wanted the system to be a lot like, like Advent Children's action. I think, I think they, they uh, did a pretty, pretty good, job. good job with that. Yeah. Yeah, because I mean... Have you gotten the launch ability yet? No. Oh, just wait till you see that. It's just like yeah, I'm, children. I'm looking forward to that. It was in the... Actually, I have seen it. It was in the original Japanese demo that I own, but... Oh, really? Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. It's just the battle system... Like, before you would select attack and wait till you, your turn would go, but this one, it's you can really attack just constantly if you really want to. If you want to do a whole bunch of combos all at once, then, you know, you wait a second. But yeah, I just love how fast it is, and it's very cinematic... And it takes a lot of strategy. Like, you got to make sure you guys are prepped going to battle or you're going to get your butt kicked. you got to keep an eye on your health. Like, it's just so up and down so quick. you got to keep switching your paradigms, which, again, are what your allies are doing. Just mm-hmm. if they're going to attack or heal or whatever. It's just so fast. So every battle is, like, less than 30 seconds or a minute. And boss battles are still very quick, but hard. Well, sort of. Like, it, I'm glad there's challenge to this. 
Like, I died three times in an early boss, and I was like, what the heck am I doing wrong? Oh, awesome. Uh, going back to the first two hours of the game again, like, um, before you could, before you had access to the paradigms, I'm like, what the crap is this auto battle? Like, this is garbage. I don't, I don't want, like, why aren't I selecting my character's moves? And, uh, so I'm like, this, the whole game better not be like this. And so I was very happy to see, uh, uh, some change there. And now I only use auto battle. <laughs> Yeah, I use that quite a bit. Yeah. If it's, like, doing what I want it to do. Yeah, actually, yeah, there are a few cases where I'll use other stuff. But for the most part, I just use auto battle. Just spam it. Keeping this rolling, David, what are you most annoyed about? You're quite annoyed about Ooh. the game in general before it came out. Um, yeah, there are still a few things I'm a bit annoyed about. And what would that be? Um, Do you remember the camera in Crisis Core? Yeah. Yeah, it's exactly the same thing in uh, Final Fantasy XIII. Yeah. It seems like I'm always just fighting with it. It just yeah, never wants to do what I want. It's like, hey, don't you want to see this thing over the, on the right here that's super awesome? And I'm like, no, I don't. I want yeah, to go just, left. Uh, and it's yeah. like, uh-uh, pull, pulling you to the right. Uh, you can't stop this. I'm like, oh, God. Yeah, it's like you're constantly fighting with the auto uh, camera. I just don't even use my camera anymore. I figure I, there's nothing else worth seeing besides what it's telling me to see. So. Um, also, uh, in terms of the linearity, that was a problem for the first two hours again. Well, you know, I I don't think it'd be too bad if they just turned off the map. I don't need a map at all. It's just a, it's just a straight path. Well, it's not a straight path. It's just a path. It's like you know, Kingdom Hearts twelve. A lot of the Final Fantasy games, it was just a path. But sticking a map on there that just shows they don't need a map at all. Just turn it off. It's uh, also, like, another thing if with you think a map. Of Final Fantasy seven. Oh, one second. If you think of Final Fantasy seven, walking up Mount Nibelheim, it was just you couldn't go anywhere else. You couldn't even walk like a foot to the left. Straight path. This one, it's way wider. Deviates around. I figure you just turn off the map. I can figure where I'm going. You just show the map constantly, and I just look at the map while I run because, as a gamer, I am trained to keep my eye on any radar or any map because it's vitally important. And it's completely unimportant so far. The map, though, also serves a couple of other purposes. Like, it'll show where the enemies are, and uh, it'll also show you a couple of other minor details. Yeah. Like uh, other routes. No, I mean, like. if you notice, like, an exclamation mark or something, it means that there's probably going to be a cutscene up ahead. Oh, okay. Yeah. I think overall, so far, I haven't... Don't, not too many complaints. I'm, I'm really, really happy with it. I think, uh, you know, the battle system's really awesome. Liking the cutscenes and development. So, I can't really wait to play more. <laughs> um, another thing about the map, though, you... Um, I don't know, this is a really minor thing, and it probably won't bug too many people, but it's not a circle. It's a weird oval, and uh, that's that's weird to me. It is, <laughs> slightly, yeah. but minor. <laughs> yeah, that like that's a, a stupid thing to get be annoyed over, but it's just a little yeah. tiny thing that like I think it should be a circle. I do, the camera does bug me, but I just yeah. ignore it now. I just don't even touch it. But, I mean, why is it even there? Thanks. It, it, oh, I mean, there's no camera in God of War because it just follows you perfectly. But it's like they gave you that option to move it. Oh, anyway. except the game does open up later on in the game. Uh, okay, well, show me a tutorial then. Yeah, <laughs> see, um, okay, I was going back to the linearity, it's not so much of a problem. It's just uh, I think the game could have been so much better if they made it just a little bit less linear. Like, if you look at Kingdom Hearts 1 and 2, Kingdom Hearts 1 is a heck of a lot less linear than Kingdom Hearts 2 was. Like, yeah. Kingdom Hearts 2, you just go, like, straight, basically. There's maybe one or two cases where you get to branch paths, but yeah. in Kingdom Hearts 1, there were always, like, maybe a couple of different ways. Same with Demon Souls. Yeah, I would have liked uh, that. In Demon Souls, there are always at least two or even three ways of getting to the same area. 
And 12, there was like 100. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, like Final Fantasy 13 doesn't really have to be so non-linear as uh, Final Fantasy 12's gameplay. But I think they could have done a little bit more uh, in terms of uh, branching paths. Like, if you look at Demon Souls, like I was talking about earlier, um, there's really only one way that you could go. Um, but there were like three different ways to get there. And you felt like that's enough or that it was right, right uh, amount? I guess. Yeah, I because each right. way had their own advantage of going. Like, one way might be really fast, but there's, like, not any items down there or not very good uh, enemies. But the other one, yeah, like, there, there's lots of different branching stuff going on in Demon's Souls. But in Final Fantasy thirteen, the only time you see branching is if you're walking for, like, three seconds and there's a battle to get uh, some item. Yeah. And that's about it. There's only ever one way to get to the next place, which is... Again, not really a bad thing, but it could have been so much better. Right. Well, I think that's just about my overall impressions. I've played for five hours, so I can't uh, I'm not <laughs> yeah. mouth just yet. But uh, is there any last things you want to touch on, David? Like, we'll have a... And when we all finish the game, we'll do a full-on impressions episode. But uh, And then we'll do a spoilers episode maybe in a couple months or whatever. But any any last things? Uh, I love the uh, graphics in the game. Uh, the, Me the, too. I'm very happy the, with them. I mean, they're not the best of the generation, but they're... Yeah, I, I, I'm awesome seeing Final Fantasy in this. Of all the games I've played, uh, it's probably the best-looking third-party game that I've played. Ah, <laughs> uh, it's, it's nowhere close to like Uncharted <laughs> or uh, Killzone Two, but uh, um, it's it's pretty nice looking. Although there are things, there are certain parts of the game that don't look so nice, like a lot of the low polygons and certain things. All right, I guess that wraps it up. You can look forward forward to more next episode because we move this episode a week ahead of its normal schedule. This should have been Kingdom Hearts Union, but Final Fantasy XIII came out, so we made the exception. So the next Final Fantasy Union won't be until, like, April 13th. So uh, Jamie, myself, David will probably finish it by then. And we'll, Daryl's already finished it because he reviewed it before the game even came out because he's a lucky son of a gun. <laughs> and uh, I'll get him back. <laughs> Just kidding. But... Uh, We'll we'll do a episode like that, uh, probably that next episode, I guess. So, next up is Final Fantasy Union news. So now that Final Fantasy Thirteen's been released, for those that bought the PS3 version of the game, there was a nice little surprise inside waiting for you if you register your copy with Square Enix. It was a voucher for a chance to become a Final Fantasy XIV beta tester of the PS3 version of the game, which essentially confirmed the beta for PS3. David, did you get that? Uh, no, I have it in my case, but I didn't do it. Are, are you going to? I don't think so. No interest in Final Fantasy XIII <laughs> or XIV whatsoever? No. Lauren, you want it? <laughs> um, um, uh, MMOs really aren't Mine my either. bag. But... <laughs> I, I'm going to confess I'm totally not going to play Final Fantasy XIV. I know a bunch of people that will, so that'll compensate. <laughs> Although, um, the whole registry thing that Square Enix has set up is actually really nice. Like, uh, I was able to use my 358 Ever 2 and Dissidia right. copies both to, um, get enough points with Square Enix members to get them to ship me the Dissidia fan poster and ah, or postcards cool. and what was the other thing oh the um they sent me the e3 booklet which i already had <laughs> right. from oh, kyle yeah. but um my little brother loves it <laughs> and um no, but that's actually a really good system they have going because it's a very unique stamped card in each thing so i think that's probably the best way to 
marketed yeah. beta. So I guess. there's no announced date for it, but for everybody who loves Final Fantasy XI and wants Final Fantasy XIV beta access, well, actually, I think all the eleven players who are still currently playing were offered it as well, but uh, for the PC version. But uh, we'll say you dropped out of eleven. Here's a here's a way to play fourteen. <laughs> David, David, you should auction yours off on eBay. All right, David, would you like to take the next slice of news? Okay. Um, so Final Fantasy thirteen hit five million copies shipped, and that's worldwide, not just like for the North America and Europe. Oh boy. Oh boy is right. Yeah, the day after they uh, released Final Fantasy thirteen, Square Enix was quick to announce just how many copies of the game were shipped to retailers but there was no word on how many customers bought those copies so this isn't how many games were sold at stores Mm -hmm. this is how many games are sitting in stores potentially sold and considering how i spent an extra ten dollars to the steel case version of final fantasy 12 and there are still 10 copies sitting in my local gamestop yeah exactly so it's (laughs) it it looks good for square enix because i mean they sold three million to north american stores so they're pretty smitten, but I imagine they'd want those to sell so they can uh, sell them more. Actually, there were some sales figures for actually sale to customers. Are you sure? Were they from VG Charts? Yes, they were. They're just estimates. I, I know, but they're, they're usually pretty close. When the, when the NPD comes out, then I will believe. You know, everybody but... everybody says about VG Charts, but they're usually like within 5%. They're usually really well, okay, close. Okay, well, I'll, I'll hold them to this one. I, I mean, it's going to be hard for first day. I know. Like, first day, they says, might be but... a little off, but, yeah, but still, the, uh, <laughs> a lot of people say, like, oh, VG charts, don't trust them. They're always, like, way off, but really, they're pretty close most of well, the time. Well, in the long run, they're very accurate because they can. Yeah, there's they... a lot of resources out there for counting. That aside, <laughs> that now means the series has shipped about 96 million copies. Uh, 1.8 million copies were sold in Japan. I guess they might have shipped 2 million in Japan or shipped more than that, but total worldwide is 5. Uh, on the forums, I grabbed a quote from Astheris from the thread about this topic, and she said, I've heard that lots of places have had difficulty with keeping stock for any amount of time, so I would have guessed they've sold pretty much every everything that is shipped. That's looking pretty good. I would hope. Maybe the, maybe the first shipping, because um, I remember, what was it? that we were talking about how like the first week it did awesome in Japan. I forget what game this was. First week it did awesome in Japan. Second week it was like, well, Japan's kind of different from North America because they buy their dragon quests and their final fantasies like all on day one. And then next week it's just like, like you said. <laughs> yeah, but exactly. North America, they have a longer tail and the tail doesn't dro- drop off right away. <clears throat> so yeah. they kind of sell better. But uh, I actually, after seeing Astheris's comments on the gaming union forums, I called all the EB Games and GameSpots in London, Ontario, Canada to see if they're actually out or not. So I called six stores. The first one I called, they were out of PS3 versions. Confirmed. 360, they had a couple. Second store I called, they're out of PS3 copies. And again, 360 had a couple. Third store I called, line was busy. I called like three times, gave up. Fourth store, they were out of PS3 again. But they had 360 in, and they had plenty, they said. (laughs) Uh, the fifth store, they had me holding for five minutes. They answered the phone and said, will you hold? Put me on the counter. I listened to them talk and jibber-jabber for five minutes. So I hung up. <laughs> and then the sixth store, it rang for two minutes. So I hung up again. <laughs> so it looks like besides poor EB Games service, um, they have actually sold out the PS3 versions, at least around here, um, which actually, should probably reflect I will add on lot. to that uh, because on Tuesday when the game came out, uh, my mom and my sister were out shopping and they were just happening – happened to go by a couple of future shops. So they dropped in there and checked out if they could get the game. 
they went to two future shop stores and both them were out of ps3s but they're like want a 360 version and they were like no huh? and i was just picturing no. in my mind like what? two big displays of the games with like no ps3 copies <laughs> and like 50 360 copies and like the salespeople desperate to get rid of them and like <laughs> <laughs> yeah so i guess they're doing pretty well uh i mean i'm enjoying the game so i'm happy they're selling well uh, i want to see more of this mostly any last thoughts david Especially the PS3 doing so well versus the 360. That's like your, that's like your lovely thing. Oh yeah, like um, happy. My second job is basically <laughs> being a PS3 fanboy. So did you have like after you read this news item the other day? Did you pull out your to-do list or your life's to-do list and say check? <laughs> yeah. Yep. Okay, Lauren, would you like to take our next piece of news? Surely. We have had a statement from uh, Motomu Toriyama, who says that future Final Fantasy titles are going to be a little bit more traditional, quote-unquote. Um, a number of reviewers noted that many of the traditional aspects of Final Fantasy didn't make it into Final Fantasy thirteen, like towns and side quests during the story. But Toriyama, who's the director of the game, has stated to Gamasutra that now that we have the base technology, the next time you see a Final Fantasy, we might be able to pack in more of those elements that existed in the past. Yay. And when pressed specifically about towns, you reply with, the next title that we will create will have those elements. <laughs> We've heard your whining and complaining. It'll have effing <laughs> We've towns. heard your whining. I'm, I miss my towns. I'm not missing them at all. I, I, It's like Crisis Core. Did you miss towns in Crisis Core? There were towns in Crisis Core. Mm, not real towns. Not real town. The, the, well, only, yeah. the only one that's close I mean, to being town would be, I think, Banora was that his name or Banora. Yeah, Banora, um, Nibelheim. Oh yeah, um, I guess I guess Nibelheim. Kind well, of. big, not like uh, twelve towns. That, yeah. that place with the helicopters that I'm blanking out on. Okay, you have a lot better memory of Crisis Core than I do. <laughs> okay, well, <laughs> uh, well, I guess I guess what they mean is like the ability to kind of be like, all right, we're gonna settle down here. Yeah, for a yeah. Going, and... going to other people's houses and steal their items and uh... yeah, and, and just shoot the breeze <laughs> again with them from afterwards. the grand list of RPG cliches. <laughs> yeah. No one will notice if you come in and steal this. Yeah, I, lo- I still love in uh, the live stream place, um, you go into this guy's house and, like, take his item, and then when you leave, he's like, hey, wait a second, did you just take that? And I'm like, and I'm like no. Just, <laughs> what do you think you do? Just go around in people's houses and stealing their stuff? <laughs> I thought that was awesome. Yeah, nice little uh, making fun of themselves there. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah. And the guy in the street rule and the, you know, capitalism rule, and I just, if you guys haven't read the grand list of rpg cliches you really should half of them are about there towns i guess they must have read that and then like huh we should completely avoid that, <laughs> <Look at> that. <laughs> yeah. but in this one you buy stuff at stores uh via the save point like kind of like crisis core oh see i thought that was kind of yeah. like i like it it's oh, efficient you like it oh, <laughs> I, I do I it's really just like, like okay oh i gotta buy equipment now boom 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 it's efficient but it's like i'm just you know getting stuff for my menu from the menu yeah, yeah i mean it, there's no real sense of urgency like i remember being like desperate for items and i think it was like macalania forest in Final Fantasy 10 i was getting whooped and it just was like oh god when will i get to the next store not when will i get to the next save point it's when will i be able to you know run in and that is true yeah i I hadn't (laughs) thought about that i I was thinking more uh i don't really miss shops because it feels kind of just trivial oh run up to the sword sign check 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 oh this looks good get that equip all right let's go but i just found so much more rewarding though when you actually like went into a building that's that's true and you're like a new city oh finally let's go to the weapon store yeah that's the first thing you want to do in any city i mean that really sets up children poorly you, oh, hey, Toronto is a great city. Where do they sell guns around here? 
or or swords. It's particularly well done in like the Persona games, where uh, every store sells something different. Like you go to the Daidara Metalworks shop, they've got these hilarious like. I say character, but I mean like you know when you say, "Oh yeah, I met that guy. He's such a character." Really, the people who they have running these stores are like half the fun of doing the after-school portions of these games. Yeah, that's true. I, I guess I kind of miss the quirky shopkeeps. That mm-hmm. is true. The the towns you miss the quirky people. Yeah. Oh, I miss Barky. So, Final Fantasy Ten. Some of the NPC uh, business in Final Fantasy Thirteen is a little bit lame. But one good thing oh, yeah. about it is that they all have voice actors. Exactly. You don't have to click on them. You just kind of walk up and they're like, why do I even live? And I'm like, yeah. wow, I'm glad I don't have to click on you. So, some of the voice actors <laughs> are pretty lame, though, um, for the NPCs. Oh, it's almost oh. embarrassing. But good thing you don't have to hear them very much. Any final thoughts on tradition in Final Fantasy again? Apparently it's lacking 13. I like tradition. I don't like change. I like change when it makes things prettier. I think other than chocobos, that's that's the only thing I've seen. Oh, um, okay. I better not say it because I might be a spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. That, I'll just say this. There's a reference to Final Fantasy IX in the game. Uh, oh. All right. So Final Fantasy Thirteen has been up for about a week now, right? Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, I would say so. Yep. Well, speaking in a Dutch publication, Katase has started talking about Final Fantasy XIII 2. What? This is, this is the quote. In the past three years, we have worked on both world and the various systems. Creating these systems isn't very glamorous and is quite frankly very boring. <laughs> if we could do a thirteen two, we could direct all of our attention to the story and refine what we have already built. What? Okay, so they're basically bitter that they had to spend all this time on a new engine and now they want to like make a new story for it. That's oh, that's lame, Square Enix. Don't do that. No, I actually wouldn't mind that because I mean, yeah, me I'm already enjoying Thirteen. So if they're saying, "Oh, we want to make it even better," yeah, I wouldn't mind that. And if I see like Lightning, Vanille, and Yunfang doing Eureka, I'm gonna shoot something. What's Eureka? Yunariku Pain. Oh, doing their, like, oh. Corny little yeah. I, I don't. Together. I don't I never think that's that. really what they're talking about. Like. I, I I sure hope that that's not what they're talking about. Like I I thought I hope it's not like a, a good game. Uh, I mean, of course, Daryl would probably disagree with what we're talking about right now. But uh, <laughs> so you confront him momentarily. Um, no, no, seriously, Square Enix. Uh, you've already got Final Fantasy versus and you know, uh, Gito versus thirteen. You've already got a Gito. But you know. I'm not surprised that they're doing this, and um, I have not completed the game yet. Like, if if the ending of the game has, like, an, a possibility of something else to happen, then I think that would be really cool. But if it, like, totally winds up and, like, it's, it's like, complete at the end of the game, then maybe it sounds like they're maybe milking it a little bit too much. But, yeah, again, I haven't gotten there yet, so I... I'm, I Me neither. <laughs> I am not going to have a, a very good opinion on that yet. I, I am of the opinion that even if Final Fantasy X-2 wasn't such a goofy spinoff, I am of the opinion that they should not have touched that ending. Yeah, they really shouldn't all. have. Like, oh, ah, okay. It, it, was, it was a very complete ending. It was. I mean, it was sad, but it, it was very sad. But that's what made it effective. That was like one of the greatest endings I think I've ever yeah. agree seven, more. I mean, Final Fantasy VII left, it op- left the door open, so that kind of worked. Oh, but, like mean, big time. There's also, yeah, but there's seven, also examples definitely. of how it didn't work, a.k.a. Dirge Cerberus. Anyway, back to this Final <laughs> Fantasy XIII 2 thing. I grabbed a quote <laughs> from Colin off the forums. He said, if they have the time to make a Final Fantasy XIII sequel, they most definitely have time to work on a Final Fantasy VII remake. Personally, I would love either one, 
as long as they're good. I don't believe their gripe about towns either. FF fans are notorious for waiting for their games. A little more time won't hurt us much. Towns were the best part of the FF games, the exploring, the exploring, meeting different people, mini games, and side quests. I'd love to see them all return. Yeah. And I'd just like to say real quick, no Final Fantasy VII remake discussion. Okay. okay. <laughs> None. It's been banned. <laughs> So, yeah. Uh, and coincidentally, the Fenrir, who happens to be his brother, had another thought. <laughs> Hi, Charles. <laughs> uh, the Fenrir said, release Versus 13 and Agito first, please. They can yeah. worry about a sequel when they get their current projects out I of think, the way. I uh, Square Enix needs... Yeah, this is kind of like when I have, like, f- like, ten art projects going in my folder on my desktop, and I finished... One that I started tonight before I finished something I started a month ago. Yeah, yeah I think... Like, when I'm working on a video or something, I w- I'm already thinking three videos from now, what I want to do in the specific part. And I'm like, oh, I should probably finish this one and then the next two and not worry about that one. I think Square Enix needs to sort out the priorities just a little bit. Yeah, they're really weird. Yeah. They're like, let's release this uh, mediocre DS game. and uh, Yeah, let's do five. Or All let's right. make this uh, exclusive uh, 360 RPG and only release it in Japan. Let's see what that yeah. does. And uh... <laughs> Ooh, it bombed. Huh. Couldn't have called that. <laughs> oh, at least and we got then... the money from Microsoft. <laughs> Ooh. Let's use uh, it to fund I... a PS3 game. <laughs> <laughs> then Omen said on the forums, although I really enjoy playing Final Fantasy XIII, a sequel, really? In the same linear world, I would rather they just move on to the next one. If it was a prequel, maybe. But Square Enix hasn't done a decent sequel, ever. I wouldn't mm. say that. Uh, or are they talking about Crisis Core being a prequel? Crisis Core is a prequel, so I can't think of a good sequel. I mean, I haven't played Revenant Wings. I heard that was pretty good, so I, I, I'm drawing a blank there. Well, I guess Kingdom Hearts 2 Well, is I, a I mean, I, I kind of agree with them. I mean, if, if the ending is wrap, wraps it up, they should just move on to the next thing Yeah, and come back later. But if it's totally open-ended, then yeah, like maybe they should do a, a sequel because that might be really interesting, especially if it's good. Like if we're missing on... Uh, triple a game here like oh yeah that's true yeah any final thoughts <laughs> file fantasy 7 remake first please. <laughs> yeah like i think it's about time that they do that <laughs> so that wraps up the final fantasy union news segment and now we're going to move into our very special final fantasy music segment i would like to welcome daryl and brian to the show hello hey guys all right, so just uh, for everybody's knowledge, Brian takes care of all our podcast editing and audio production, so he's quite the music guy, and this is why he's going to lead this next segment. Unfortunately, though, Lauren has to skedaddle, so Lauren, thank you for getting in on the Final Fantasy Thirteen chat with us, and news. So, but I have to go drown in schoolwork. Everybody <laughs> can sympathize with me, I'm sure. <laughs> bring, bring a life raft? Uh, yes, yes, I have one. It's Life called, jacket, that's it's what called a pint of haagen ice cream that I have sitting next to me. I know I there was not go. paid for that endorsement. I just love haagen <laughs> All right, now I would like to hand it over to Brian to lead our special coverage of some unfortunate events at Square Enix. Absolutely, absolutely. It is sad, but Square Enix has reportedly done away with its internal music team, and they have laid off the composers responsible for scores and games, including Dissidia, The Last Remnant, and even Final Fantasy. 
That sounds evil. It really is evil. But according to a report by Square Enix Music Online, the team was cut for budgetary reasons. Square Enix will now rely primarily on independent composers and production studios to create the scores for their games, similar to the approach taken by a lot of Western developers, which is generally cheaper than maintaining an internal music department. But Daryl, can you tell us which Square Enix composers have been affected by this change? I have. It's pretty much the only ones that were left after all the other ones <laughs> have already oh gone. So uh, the people that um, have left, uh, Masashi Hamawazu, who people may remember as the composer of Final Fantasy Thirteen, and also Dirge of Cerberus, and he did work on the um, Saga franchise. He actually uh, announced that, his, that he was leaving before the soundtrack was released in Japan, which I believe is in January. So that was a uh, good uh, promotional Thing. Um, so it wasn't like good job on thirteen. You're fired. Ooh, looks like we're having a bit of a tight budget. You're fired. Was it? Didn't yeah. Azashi also work on ten? He did. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I thought. But I was just leading on to that, David. Oh, because okay. The next guy called uh, Yunja Nakano did also work on ten, and he uh, he he's probably the the least known one of these guys, I'd say, because pretty much ten is the only thing he's recognized for, because. I don't think anyone's really played Masashi Samurai Legend. I had never even heard of it. Is it, is that a PS1 game? Maybe. I don't remember. <laughs> the next guy, called uh, Tsuyoshi Sukito, uh, composed uh, the soundtrack for The Last Remnant, which was pretty much his biggest gig, but he was also a founding member of the Black Mages. He's one of the guitarists. Oh, awesome. Well, he gets to retain his job with them, right? Right. Well, if they right? do another album. Uh, that's true. I hope they do. Yeah, the next two actually worked on Final Fantasy XI, mm-hmm. along with uh, one Nobuo Uematsu, and they are Naoshi Mizuta, who was who became the actual main composer for Final Fantasy XI and did uh, Rise of Silat and Chains of Promathia, etc., 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 and did the Great Sanctuary of Zitar. He's gone. Another one bites the dust. <laughs> and uh, Kumi Tanioka, who who did work on the original soundtrack for Final Fantasy XI, and was basically the main composer for Crystal Chronicles. And the last one, who kind of came into prominence more recently, is Takahiro Ishimoto, who uh, Kyle might know from Crisis Core. Mm-hmm. And oh, he also did Dissidia as well. Bum, so bum, those, those bum, six bum, guys bum. are all gone, which means the Square Enix have no people left. And, and I mean, th- these are six composers who have really become well-known for their work in the most recent Square Enix titles. But the story does actually go on, and it says that the decision to close down the music team was actually made at the end of 2009 and was responsible for a number of, quote, well-publicized departures from the company over the past few months. How deep the cuts actually are going to go isn't clear yet, but it is rumored that aside from the six principal composers that were laid off, that the layoffs could affect other related staff such as synthesizer operators and sound programmers. But the contractors the publishers will rely on are the studios operated by former Square Enix composers such as Nobuo Uematsu, Hitoshi Sakamoto, Yoko Shimomura, and even Kenji Ito. Some of the composers affected by this shutdown, each of whom had been with the company for 12 to 15 years, which is a long time. But those guys, they could find themselves working in a similar capacity by creating music for Square Enix games as independent musicians and composers. That could be good. Notice that you say it's uh, cheaper to do like independent by independent, but wouldn't the rates be higher? Yeah. 
but they'll be doing it less. That, that It's that, but it's also more that, you know, a lot of people say, oh, yeah, their production costs are going to be higher than they are right now. And on some level, they are true because when you're paying somebody who's freelance, you're paying them based on the size of the job. So if they need five songs, that's going to be a heck of a lot cheaper than 50 songs. So, you know, they are going to pay more in that way. But what they're saving on is they're saving on paying taxes for their employees. They're not having to pay for health insurance and retirement benefits and and these things that that are kind of required for a company as big as Square Enix to continue operating. Yeah, and I mean, people like Nakano haven't really done that much, so they were kind of riding exactly, the gravy train. Exactly, but then you've got somebody like Naoshi Mitsuda who has done, I mean, how, how many tracks has he done for Final Fantasy XI? He's done hundreds at this point for that game. Yep. Uh, and so it's it's sad to see somebody like him, you know, get the axe, but, you know, some people have got to go. I, they say budgetary reasons, but they've had them going for... Two decades? How come they could not afford it now? Well, I mean, it's it's not surprising that this has happened because uh, for the last 10 to 15 years, production houses all over the world have been just completely getting rid of their sound departments. It's just been happening, and they're beginning to outsource. So really, I mean, Square Enix has been kind of the exception to the rule for the last 10 years uh, because other people have just gotten rid of their their departments altogether. Um, so it, it could be partly the economy because the economy just has been really bad recently, and so that could be playing a part in it. It could also be that they are trying to, you know, if they're trying to minimize their costs, this is a way to do it. It may not be the best way to do it but it is a way to do it there is one notable exception here though and that is one koji sugiyama who is the composer of dragon quest and he's still 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 there i think so Ooh. well he, he might also be serving as another position kind of like a synthesizer operator or a sound programmer so his time may come soon oh, yeah. enough but well he's 78 he's 78 oh yeah <laughs> just being <laughs> can't nice fire that guy yeah. so coming from a music composition background professionally do you think this is really bad news for the particular guys who got cut or what's this mean for them well for for them i mean yeah any way that you look at it they are out of a job which is unfortunate um but you know they will be able to go out and to uh freelance on their own which you know I, i don't know what kind of contracts they signed while at square enix but they will be free definitively free now to do any project that they want to. Uh, yeah, and so, you look at like uh, Shimamura, she worked with like, she did Street Fighter and Kingdom Hearts, and you've got like yeah. Mitsuda, who's done various products, and Sakamoto did like 12, and he's also done things like Valkyria Chronicles. So they can pick and choose their products, or projects, I should say, but it means that they may not have as much time to kind of learn or expand themselves. I guess and, as well. And, yeah, and that can be a problem. But the other problem is that, um, for coming from Square Enix's standpoint, is that this is going to create a level of complexity for them that they may not be prepared for. Because up to this point, everything that they have done has been in-house. It has been proprietary to them. And what they're doing by, by eliminating their sound department is they are getting rid of uh, their ability to control different variables um, that they have been in control of for the last 20 years. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see how they work with those changes and and if they're able to really cope with them well just just is i think it's slightly weird in the sense that i mean quite a lot of the guys like uematsu like i don't know if he was kind of pushed out the door because he's he was kind of getting a bit sick and tired or whatever and then what do they do go and hire him as a freelance 
Well, it was interesting. I actually read a, an interview with uh, Uematsu, and I, I believe it was One Up, or maybe it was IG, and I think it was One Up who went out and actually was able to sit down and interview him. And they asked him why he left Square Enix, and he said, uh, you know, the reason that I left is not actually all that glamorous. I wasn't oh, yeah, pushed yeah. out. It was simply that they were moving the Square Enix headquarters to another city, and he didn't like that city. He didn't want to commute, <laughs> so he's just like, you know what? I'm not going to deal with that, so you guys do your own thing. Wow. <laughs> I do know they were getting a bit fed up with him with 10, though, which is why, because he couldn't do the whole soundtrack. Why is that? Um, he just didn't He just didn't have the motivation or the enthusiasm anymore. Really? Which is why they bought on Nakano and Hamuazu. Hmm. So he only did like a third of the soundtrack because he was just like, I can't think of anything more to write. I've, I mean, think about like nine, he did what, over 100 oh, man, tracks. Right. Best soundtrack in that game. And then, yeah, I mean, like, think about, he's composed over, like, a thousand tracks of Final Fantasy. The, the world's got to dry up somewhere. <laughs> uh, and, I, I mean, I, I have to be honest, I'm amazed he got this far in the first place. He he, he really is a testament to uh, really the versatility of a composer, of a good composer. So Now he's yeah. doing 14. Yeah, exactly, exactly, and, and uh, I hope that he's uh, I hope that he's able to stay on board with fourteen from now until its completion. So we'll see what happens with that. So my biggest question is, how will this affect the games we love and yeah. the music that back? That's back my up? question too. It'll be interesting. Uh, you know, I, I hate to use a, a cliche phrase, but it's one of those things that time will end up telling us how Square ends up dealing with this. Like I said, you're it's, the pro, though. What is your call? I want to know. <laughs> You know, uh, I mean, I, I could, I could say yay, I could say nay. Um, the the reality is that if I think if they ended this, the, if they terminated these guys on good terms, and I know that sounds like an oxymoron, but if they handled <laughs> it properly and they didn't burn bridges, right? They have an opportunity to use these guys to help transition them into this new phase. Um, if they don't have that, they're going to be dealing with a lot of new things that they probably have never dealt hey, with. Hey, can before. you help us phase yourselves out? <laughs> we'll pay you, I guess, but I'm not going to enjoy it. I can't see them working with anyone else, though. Like they have had a very select bunch of people that they've had composing their games well you know that that was internal yeah but, but there is internal people as well like sakamoto he i mean they brought him on final fantasy 12 for a very specific reason and that's because he did work on final fantasy tactics and it was the same universe mm-hmm. right and shimamura's done kingdom hearts they'll probably continue that on people they they like to keep people associated with certain things Absolutely. But I mean, after a certain period of time here, these composers are going to go away, whether yeah, it's just old die. age. Well, <laughs> and I know it sounds morbid, but, but I mean, that's the reality. They're going to move on at some point. Uh, they're really looking towards the future. <laughs> and, and what's really going to happen there is, is, you know, when Square Enix starts having to work with people that they have never worked with before and they have and, and they realize, oh, hey, we've given up control of certain things that we used to have control over. That's going to really be a, a true testament. So like I said, if they didn't burn bridges, they may be able to ease the transition by working with these guys that they let go. I've got a question now, though. Does this mean that they may com- hire a Western composer? It could, and I swear I will I will die a happy man if they ever do that. But huh. I honestly, I'll believe it when I see Brian it. Brian Arnold announces composer Final Fantasy Twenty. <laughs> I'd like to see Harry Gregson Williams. Yeah. That'd be incredible. They've worked with Jeremy Soule before, but that was only on one uh. game. But, I mean, it's a start, so you never know. Ho- hopefully they will open their doors to, to maybe a Western composer. But I could also see, you know, they open their door to one Western composer. I wouldn't want to be there for the storm that follows. So. Uh, well, Harry Gregson-Williams, yeah, as David said, he did Melba yeah. Solid. So. 
Harry Gregson Williams Final Fantasy. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Or like Hans Zimmer Final <laughs> Fantasy. Like that'd be great. So in a roundabout way, your best guess is that it's hard to call basically, but it could just be so long of a process that we don't even notice. And by maintaining a long process, they maintain their quality because the transition makes that uh, easier to maintain. Yeah, I, I would say that. And the other thing that I'd, I'd add is that, you know, we're not going to see what happens. We're not going to see what happens behind the scenes because they're going to deal with that. But what we may see is we may see an increase uh, in the time between each game. The more they continue to outsource, the more time it's going to take them to get a project done. That may be one of the main indicators that we see. So in a, say a three I mean, years, this, this may be why they hired Shimamura to do Versus. So in a three-year development cycle of, of say, Final Fantasy 14 uh how much of that time is there a a composer working with the team you know it it really depends on the project some people will bring them on in the pre-production phase others will do everything and then just stick it in a composer's face and say put music to this uh you know it really depends if if square enix continues doing what they're doing my guess is that they've had nabuo on pretty much from the beginning yeah um and you know that he's already working on it exactly so it's one of those things where he will probably be involved from the beginning and will will usher it in a, a little quicker than say you know they do it and they just give it to yeah them. i imagine with an internal development team that they're used to their production cycle would involve them from the get-go and might they might see them leave the project earlier because they've finished their work well i don't know about that <laughs> okay well I, I don't i'm not speaking from experience but uh i can i can guess that but uh they they will always be trying to do different or improvements to music until the right till the fast and final minute well what i'm trying to say is that they're used to having these guys with them all the time so they can go to them when, when they want and probably from the beginning of the project uh, so I can't see them changing their production cycle radically and just bring them in at the end. No, I, I, I agree. I don't think they would yeah. do that. I think they've got two decades of experience under their belts to know that that's not a good idea. Yeah. So I mean, they probably tried it <laughs> at one point. So what happens with Ishimoto then? Because he's doing the soundtrack to Agito, but now he's been fired. Maybe he finished him. Maybe they're just like, yeah, we, you can just carry on. Just come to work. We're not going to pay yeah. you. Maybe he's transitioning to freelance, staying on the project. Who knows? Maybe. All right. Any uh, final-ish thoughts on the matter? Um. Well, you were saying that like, uh, if they're freelance, do they get to work on the project as intimately as they would be if it's uh, if they're in like part of the company? Depends what they want to do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it depends on the project itself. I think Square. I mean, ideally, they'd want to get anybody as involved as they possibly could. But you know, if if the person's not on staff they can't take every second of their time like yeah, if they were exactly. so i don't think it's that much of a big deal i mean most of the composers that were left were kind of yeah hammer hammer is like the main big one and you know he's not exactly pulling out the uh all the stops with his composition mm-hmm. yeah and and uh, for me it's just it's going to be an interesting transition to see how the music will change over the next couple years and, and how their production cycle will uh will I mean, be affected by they it. may have done it to uh to free themselves up because like if they've got an eternal sound team they kind of have to use them to justify the cost of them, yeah, they kind of yeah, have to. Yeah, so like, well, you know, we've got these games coming out, like, maybe we should use some of the guys we actually have. Whereas <laughs> now they don't have to do that. They can just use whoever they want. Yeah, that's exactly. true. Exactly. Choose the best. All right. Now for a very special remix from Brian himself, presented by me. There you go. <laughs> 
Yeah, so the tune for this episode is from Final Fantasy XI. The original song was Republic of Bastok, and the original composers of Republic of Bastok was Naoshi Mitsuda, Nobuo Umatsu, and Kami Tenioka. I think I got that right. The remix title is City of the Hums? Humes. Humes. Well, that's also in 12. 11 knowledge would be handy right now. Brian, why did you decide to make this mix? You know, it, it's it's become part of a project that I've been working on. Uh, the project hasn't been announced, but you know, it's just it's one of those things. I think if if fi- if there was one game that I would say that I have played the most, uh, it would be Final Fantasy XI. So much so that I I really would actually be embarrassed to tell you how much time I have actually spent playing that game. <laughs> but hey, we've all embarrassed ourselves on the show. So. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but you know, it's one of those games that I've wanted to do a remix from, and now I've I've reached the point where I feel like I can actually do something and do it justice uh and this has been one of my favorite themes it's one of the uh the main themes from one of the main cities in the game uh and it has turned out better than i could have ever expected it to and how was it producing this music it was interesting um you know i i love the themes coming out of final fantasy 11 i think they're actually some of the best that have been done in final fantasy and i know a lot of people will argue with me on that but i find the memorable catchy and and they they really brand the game very well um but i've never been a huge fan of the production quality of the music in there so for me to be able to take a theme that is this well done and to be able to try and take the production quality up it was fantastic it really has been great excellent well i guess that brings us to our outro next monday's episode will be kingdom hearts union because as you recall we switched around final fantasy union and kingdom hearts union this cycle so the next final fantasy union will be released on april 13th where we'll have our full impressions of the game after we've each beaten it so that episode should be jamie myself david and daryl and if there's any changes to the schedule, which we'll let you know on Kingdom Hearts Union, Minigup, or Twitter, you can subscribe to Final Fantasy and Kingdom Hearts Union on the iTunes Store. Just search Final Fantasy and we're number one. And of course, you can catch every episode at FinalFantasyUnion.com, along with all our Final Fantasy news coverage. And David? At FF-XII.net. And best of all... Our interview with Lightning will be up later this week. Thank you to everybody that submitted questions. We really appreciate it. But now you can submit questions for Snow Villiers as we will be interviewing him the day after you hear this episode, if you hear it on time. So you can submit those questions in the podcast section, just where you'd find them on the forums for any regular episode. So, David, Daryl, Brian, would you like to say your farewells? Bye. Take care, guys. See you later. And I'm Kyle saying goodbye. This has been a TweaksMusic.com and FinalFantasyUnion.com production. Thank you.